everyone, this is Hannah, and today I'm going to do a solo episode on birth family reunion stuff. So I reunited with the maternal side of my birth family in 2010 with the help of the adoptee-run organization uh, here in Korea called Global Overseas Adoptees Link, or GOL, and I was a participant on their first trip home program. So GOL liaised with my adoption agency, Eastern Social Welfare Society, on my behalf, which surely saved me a lot of unpleasantness. Um, Goal also provided volunteer interpreters to accompany me all the way to Jeonju, my birth city. So that's three and a half hours from Seoul by bus. And they provided some very wise counsel during the whole reunion process. And they also introduced me to the adoptee community living in Seoul. So I just wanted to say the Goal has had its ups and downs as an organization. But for this experience, I personally will be forever grateful and loyal and biased towards them. Okay, so enough gushing over goal. Uh, Ryan and I wanted to talk about birth family search reunion in a slightly different format rather than just um, talking through our stories chronologically. So hence um, these kind of BuzzFeed-esque lists. So today I'm going to go through my list of 10 things I didn't know about birth family reunion. And to be honest, I didn't know shit about birth family reunion before my reunion, so this could have been like one million things I didn't know. But first, I'm going to start with three important disclaimers. Number one is that I'm very aware of being privileged to have reunited at all. I have close adoptee friends who have been searching for years without finding any leads, friends who have searched only to discover that their parents have since deceased, friends who have found their parents but their parents um, have declined any further contact. I also have friends who have met some members of their birth family but they've been like barred from meeting all of their relatives like such as siblings um, and I had that experience with my father's side of the family. So basically I'm extremely privileged to have been uh, very welcomed by all the members of my mother's side from the beginning of our reunion. So number two is a quick disclaimer about terminology. Um, as you probably know, there are different words used in the adoption community for birth family, like, yeah, birth mother, natural mother, biological mother, first mother, etc. Um, and I know that some terms like birth mother um, are considered reductionist and insulting by mothers. Still, I tend to use it on this podcast because it's the most common language within the Korean adoptee community. In my personal life, um, I generally prefer to use like, Korean mother um, or K-mom, K-fam. <laughs> uh, and actually, I'll probably just switch between terms a bit on this podcast and confuse everyone. But um, anyway, I'll, I'll try my best to be clear. Uh, the third disclaimer is that I'm sorry if this list seems a little bleak. That is not the intention. Um, the intention here is to get real about reunion, 
to raise awareness about possible outcomes um, and to be really open about my experiences in the hope that other adoptees don't feel weird about their experiences or, God forbid, ungrateful for having uh, mixed feelings about reunion. Because we already have so much um, that we're obligated to feel grateful for, right? So, to be clear, I do feel very blessed to have reunited and, and to have ongoing relationships. Um, and I absolutely feel that reunion was worthwhile and rewarding and joyous at times. But as with everything else, I'm interested in talking about the whole story. Okay, so now that all of my defensiveness is out of the way, here is the list. So number one, uh, inaccurate or falsified adoption records um, are very common, apparently more common in adoptions that occurred between 1980 to the mid 90s. So basically your um, the circumstances around your adoption might be very different from the story you grew up with and you won't know this until you reunite and and then um, if it is different you may have to come to terms with um, that very different origin story so basically uh, agencies lie <laughs> um, for example in my case my uh, adoption record said that my birth father died in a tragic motorcycle accident when he was very much still alive um, at that time anyway um, and my birth family said that they were surprised to see that written in my file and um, because we had that initial reunion in the Eastern office, which is quite typical. Um, yeah, so they said that they, they just weren't sure where that story came from. Um, and another really um, common um, falsified story is like, oh, you know, your parents divorced. Um, when, when you reunite, like you may find that your whole family is still together. Okay, number two. You may not recognize your resemblance with your birth parent at first. So I expected to meet my birth mother for the first time and just kind of like instantly recognize my own features. Like I thought it might be, I had romanticized it that I thought I would like walk in there and feel like I was looking into a mirror, like an older version of myself or something. Um, and so I remember being embraced by my grandmother and then by my mother in that little room at Easton. And for all I knew, they could have been complete strangers. Um, I guess the interesting thing is that my, my birth family and um, yeah, all of my relatives could see the strong resemblance between me and my birth mother from the beginning but I definitely couldn't. Like that's taken some time for me to recognize. Um, and so my theory is that I, I guess that you can't really recognize yourself in someone else if you don't have a strong sense um, of your own appearance. And I think maybe, you know, growing up in white families and white communities, some of us don't. 
So I hope that made sense. <laughs> anyway, having said that, it's also common to find little similarities upon first meeting, like physical and otherwise. So for example, all of my fingers are really double jointed and my birth mother and both of my half brothers have the same weird fingers. Okay, number three, uh, it can be hard to relax around your birth family, especially at first. So at the beginning, um, and even now each time when I go down to visit them, like before I start to ease into things again, I tend to be a little hypervigilant um, around them, like kind of trying to make sure that I'm saying and doing the right things and yeah, and that like things are kind of going well between us. And so I guess, this is like any new relationship in a way um and one way that this like hypervigilance manifested is that i i had trouble like pooping each time i went down to visit my birth family for like eight years um so sorry for talking about pooping on this podcast actually i can't believe i'm doing this but anyway i just I think this might be a kind of common thing and so yeah, I just wanted to put it out there. Okay, number four. Reunion can raise more questions than provide answers. So you might not get certain information that you expected to get when you reunite. Like so for me example for example, I I thought I would um find out the exact time of my birth so I can do my astrological birth chart accurately god damn it but um but I, I didn't because um my I was born at home I believe and my birth mother doesn't recall the exact time I was born it's, it was just like sometime early in the morning apparently um I also kind of expected to see some baby photos of myself because I was adopted when I was three and so I didn't have any baby photos, but neither did my birth family. Like they didn't have any photos of me before the age of about two and a half. But um, you might get other little details about your early life. So for example, just really recently, um, I was eating Chinese food with my birth family and I I always order like jajangmyeon, the black bean noodles when it's like the choice of like jajangmyeon and um, jjampong, like the spicy red noodles. Anyway, so, <laughs> um, and then my aunt told me that we used to eat that together like when I was really young, like two years old. And then I would like fall asleep immediately after. And I don't think, um, I don't think she realizes how valuable that kind of information is to me now. Like these kind of little gems that just um, pop up over the years when, when you spend time with your birth family. Um, another issue is that sometimes uh, you can try to pin down the truth about the past um, 
or you know about the circumstances around your adoption and I think this is a totally valid and understandable thing to try to do and I've tried to do that um, but then you realize that truth is subjective because different relatives in your birth family might remember things differently and sometimes the story even changes each time it's recounted, you know, much to your frustration. So anyway, so point four is just generally about, yeah, um, questions and answers and how it's not, it's just not that straightforward, even though you reunite. Okay, number five. So related to point number four, even if you reunite and you do get all of the answers that you were looking for, you might be left with some negative feelings around your adoption. So the whole experience of reunion may not make you feel better about your adoption in the way that you might have expected. So I know this point sounds like a bit of a downer, but I think there's sometimes an unspoken expectation that reunion will magically heal all our wounds or provide closure, if closure even exists. And I think that's a dangerous expectation. So I'm going to read a quote from the Donaldson Adoption Institute. It's a, it's a quote actually about open adoption, but I think it's relevant to reunion and you know, contact with your birth family in general. So quote, putting an end to secrecy in adoption does not erase the losses embedded in the experience. It does, however, empower participants by providing them with information and access so they can face and cope with facts instead of fantasies." End quote. So my whole point here is that I think it's just important not to think of reunion like a magic wand that's going to yeah, make all your bad feelings around adoption go away or like, I don't know, magically heal all of your attachment issues you know, because you reconnect with your birth mother or something. Um, I mean, if there are adoptees out there that have had that experience, I, I want to hear about it and I, I want to be um, pr proven wrong, sure. But yeah, that's point number five. Okay, point number six. Some adoptees might expect, like I did, um, that you would have the strongest connection with your birth mother. But connections with other relatives, like aunts, uncles, siblings, half-siblings, cousins, uh, are often easier because they have less baggage. So when I visit my birth family in Chonju, um, these days I spend most of my time with my favorite aunt and uncle. And sometimes my mother um, really holds back. And I've taken it personally at times. So without getting into it in too much detail, I feel like my birth mother and I have a mutually reinforcing dynamic in which I have my guard up to kind of maintain my personal boundaries, you know, out of mistrust or protecting myself from disappointment perhaps. And sometimes I push her away a bit. And then in turn, she holds back and doesn't reach out to me um, out of fear 
rejection, guilt, shame, a bunch of things probably. So while my relationship with my birth mother is kind of stunted and I felt really disappointed about that at times, on the other hand, my connections with my aunts and uncles and more recently with my two younger half-brothers have been so rewarding. I have genuinely enjoyed spending time with them. I've felt so touched by their um, efforts towards me. I've felt acceptance and belonging. Um, I feel that we, we both care about maintaining the relationship. Um, and I even feel that they've tried to understand my perspective and experiences as an adoptee. And even if they weren't related to me, I think I would still like them and respect them as people. Okay, I'm gonna go cry now. <laughs> Number seven. So reunion can make you confront being the other or the outsider in your birth family. I think even the experience of just sitting um, amongst your relatives within this conversation that you can't fully understand, you know, because of the language barrier. Um, reunion doesn't necessitate being included in everything, like family events, like weddings and funerals, because there's still a lot of shame and stigma around adoption in Korea. So now I'm going to share a personal experience here and I've decided that it's okay for me to share this because I have um, a white name that's completely different from my birth family and my relatives um, are completely de-identified. So last year, my Korean brother got married and this brother also spent some time living in Australia earlier and for months it was kind of assumed that I would go to the wedding and my aunt and uncle were saying things to me like, oh, you have to be there because you're part of the family. Uh, and I was really touched by that. But then um, closer to the wedding, my birth mother felt that my brother's wife's relatives may not know about me, although actually it turned out later that they did. Um, and my birth mother felt that some kind of shame might fall on my brother's wife for marrying into a family who gave up a child for adoption. So this is still like drenched in shame, right? <laughs> so I was a little surprised um, because, but so basically I was invited and then uninvited and I was a little surprised because my birth family has been very warm and welcoming from the beginning of the reunion otherwise. But, you know, at the time it definitely made me take a step back and reevaluate my relationship with them. You know, I felt that in general I was considered part of the family, but at times I, I felt like I wasn't. Um, and I know that a lot of other adoptees have had similar experiences. Um, and I, I kind of, I'm kind of assuming that a lot of birth families don't consider that ad adoptees might already be a little more sensitive to rejection or perceived rejection. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure if they consider our, our feelings in these cases, but um, yeah, but it, it can be hurtful and it can be a little um, 
unsettling. Continuing on from the above point, number eight is about cultural differences. So cultural differences um, between Korean and Western culture are very real and very big, pervasive and largely unknown. I'm not even going to pretend to be across all of these differences, but um, generally speaking, very generally speaking, um, there are Korean values around Confucianism and shame and saving face that will likely come up in reunion or just um, by living in Korea for that matter. So here's one example. Korean communication can be non-direct in order to avoid confrontation, while Western communication, I think, is, is generally more direct. So when I was uninvited from my brother's wedding, it was my uncle and my brother rather than my mother who contacted me to explain and apologize on behalf of my whole family. And at the time, I found this really strange from my Western perspective. So then in response, I was very rude from a Korean perspective. And I confronted her about it by sending her a text message directly in my very broken Korean. So the point of this is that it's important to ask yourself, like, have you considered the Korean cultural perspective and where can you find out more about it? Um, but that's kind of the problem because as adoptees, we go through this process of identification and racialization, um, usually very much alone. And what we know of Korean culture is often secondhand or anecdotal from other adoptees, um, you know, or from your Korean partner if you're, uh, if you have a Korean partner. So my point is, it can be hard to learn more about the um, subtleties and intricacies of Korean culture as an adoptee. And I wish I had an answer for this, but hopefully it's something we can explore further in a future episode. Okay, number nine. Uh, number nine's also a bit of a downer, sorry. <laughs> Reunion implies a forever relationship but your contact with your birth family may not continue forever, um, and it might be you that decides this at some point. A relationship breakdown, dissolution, just gradual fizzling out um, is kind of common, and I think that's because you're basically in a cross-cultural, long-distance relationship, and usually you don't even speak the same language. <laughs> so the odds are a little against us from the beginning. You know, not to be pessimistic, sorry, but just to highlight that it will take effort from both sides, just like any relationship. Um, for me, frequent trips to Korea and living in Korea for a while um, have helped me to maintain my relationships, definitely. And I know that's a very privileged position for me to be in, to be able to go back and forth like that. So, number 10. Can you really be prepared for a union? Personally, I don't think so. Um, so the best advice is to perhaps drop all of your expectations or keep them very low 
or drop all of your expectations except to have all the feels. <laughs> um, plus, consider who will support you, who will hold space for you, who will understand your experience. Um, and my answer is that in a lot of cases, it was my already reunited adoptee friends um, who provided that support for me. That's a wrap on my list. I hope you found it helpful or at least interesting. I think reunion is really hard to navigate and as the oldest community of international adoptees, we're kind of like the blind leading the blind here sometimes. So I think it's really important for us to talk about this stuff. Okay, let's welcome back Ryan. Hey Hannah, thanks so much for sharing your 10 things. <laughs> Uh, subtitle, Getting Real About Reunion. Yeah. <laughs> I liked that. I might just ask you a few questions. Okay. So you mentioned how you expected to feel a strong resemblance when you first met your Korean family. Yeah, just to recognize my own appearance or something. Just to see my own features reflected back, yeah. Yeah, I also hold that expectation. Um, but I was wondering what it was like for you to hear your birth family and relatives say that they could see a strong resemblance when you couldn't. I don't know. It was weird. I was like, okay. I mean, they're all saying it. So it's like, okay, I accept that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think even then it occurred to me that I may not know my own face that well. Mm-hmm. I really think, like, you know, even sometimes now, I'm, like, 34, like, freaking years old, and sometimes I'll catch my reflection in a mirror or, like, a glass door or something. <laughs> you know, sometimes people will be like, oh, who's that? And, like, you just... I don't know if, like, regular, like, non-adopted white people have the same thing, but you just... You catch a glimpse of yourself, and you're like... Like, who's that Asian woman? Oh, it's me. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and, and so you're saying that it's not simply a racial thing. Um, I'm, I'm saying I think it's a racial thing and an adopted thing. I think it's a transracial adoption thing. Were there particularly, like, features or something that your Korean family and relatives were kind of emphasizing that, that resembled them? Well, they were particularly saying that, that I looked exactly like my birth mother. Um, so when I first met my younger, I've got two half brothers, right? So the younger one of the two, so they didn't grow up knowing about me. They, they'd just been told about me like a couple of weeks earlier or something. And I remember- A couple of weeks, that's so full on. Yeah, yeah, that was like, oh, actually you have an older sister and yeah. Um, and my younger brother, was really shy and apparently like when I met him he just kind of like said hello and then like retreated and I was told that he was like overwhelmed because he was just shocked by how much I looked like our mother wow so yeah and and then once I asked uh, I asked my birth family like oh, oh, do you have any like photos of my birth mother when she was like around my age I think I was thinking like oh then maybe I'll really see it mm. And one of my aunts told me, I guess she was kind of joking. She was like, oh, just look in the mirror. And, you, and she looked exactly like you or you. I was just like, oh, okay, yeah, sure. That's exactly the same. as <laughs> that, That'll do, I guess. <laughs> I have to add, I've heard similar things 
from um, like domestic adoptees mm. actually that they also couldn't see this resemblance between themselves and like their birth mother when they first reunited but it took it took a few years to see that so so mm. actually I yeah kind of go back on what I said just earlier about it being a transracial adoption thing do you feel like you see the resemblance now well yes yeah um I feel like particularly around like my mouth and jaw and a little bit in my eyes um Yes, but I mean, this sounds really bad. It's also complicated. It's kind of like I don't think I want to see, I don't want to recognize myself too much in her, like physically. And otherwise, I think for like complex psychological reasons. (laughs) (laughs) So I do, but I feel like sometimes I don't want to. Right. Sounds really kind of petty and salty, but. (laughs) one of the other questions i had was because correct me if i'm wrong but i don't think you really talk about that moment walking into eastern social welfare society when you actually were there for goal yeah sorry the first trip home um i'm wondering what what that was like like walking into that room knowing that your korean family were there yeah well i was 26 and incredibly naive and unprepared about the whole thing. Yeah, not that you can really be prepared, as I said, but I mean, yeah, I just hadn't really done any kind of preparation. So I just, you know, tried to look nice on the day and it all felt very surreal. And then when I walked in, they kind of embraced me like one at a time and they were like sobbing. Mm. and I, I didn't expect that reaction. Um, yeah, they were feeling all kinds of things and I just felt like it was just strangely... Um, I felt a bit strangely detached, like I was just observing this whole thing. And mm. So they, they, they were, like, clutching me, you know, for, like, 10 seconds each or something. And, and I was just kind of, like, patting their back, I think, or something, and... It was very, yeah, I mean, and the whole day was a bit of a blur, really. Uh So I remember that um, the Eastern social worker who was translating for us at that initial meeting, because they wouldn't let the goal translator that I had with me come into that room. Uh And I could just tell that that translator was both like, you know, not not the best translator language-wise, but also kind of like holding things back from me. Um, yeah, I, I just could tell. And so then after that, we all went out for lunch with my um, with my goal translator, who was excellent, actually. And, um, yeah, the whole day was just really... I remember being on the bus, and I remember, like, my birth mother sitting beside me and kind of, like, rubbing my hand. Mm-hmm. I remember being like, wow, like, you know, she's pretty much exactly the same height as me, like, exactly. Um, I remember we were walking through Incidon and my one of my aunts was like trying to buy me like a little scarf and then I just the translator was um, interpreting this like conversation where my my grandma said something like 
oh, that's not, that's not Hannah's style. And my aunt was like, oh, do you think you know your granddaughter's style now or something like that? (laughs) (laughs) At lunch, they asked me, they were like, so do you have any like resentment or bad feelings about your adoption? It was a question like that. Yeah, um, very forward. And at the time I was just like, no, like, why would I? You know, of course not, you know, (laughs) something like that. But this is before I even knew why I had been adopted. It was um, a little premature, that answer, to be honest. Um, and the whole day was just, there's just so much going on. And yeah, there were four of them. And it was, yeah, I was just trying to kind of stay present to the whole thing, I think. Mm. I, I don't even remember your initial question. I just like rambled on about that day. Sorry. <laughs> Oh, I was, the question was about what it was like to walk into the to the room. What's it like for you when you go back and visit now? Is there still like, um, maybe this isn't your word, but like a little bit of hesitation or something right before you go into their house, you know, all these years later? Well, some of the relationships, as I mentioned, have developed much, much more than others. But yeah, there's still like, I don't know if nervousness, nervousness is the right word, but still just a little bit of... Yeah, a little bit of apprehension maybe at the very beginning, just kind of feeling things out again. You know, like I'll go, the last time I went down to Jonju, I spent three days there, I think, and I stayed with my, like, my favourites, my favourite aunt and uncle for the whole time. (laughs) Um, And I felt like it took like a day or so for me to... For, for all of us, I think, to fully relax and for the conversation to start flowing a little bit more. I mean, you know, within the constraints of our language limitations, you know, and for the conversation to start going like a little bit deeper and stuff like that. Mm. One of your points is that there are some answers that you may never find. If you don't mind sharing, what are some of the questions you still want answers to? Well, there is one question that plagued me for a while. Um, I actually talked about this a bit when I was interviewed by KME Gets for the Adapted podcast. So basically, it was always a bit hazy to me, like, you know, who kind of decided to give me up for adoption, like how it was discussed who knew about it because my birth mother told me that she didn't know anything about it, that she was already living with her second husband and then she came back to visit me and, and, and I was just gone. And so that's, that you know, that sounds horribly traumatic, obviously. But she also kind of, you know, didn't really like go looking for me or didn't seem to um, do anything about it. Yeah. So there was a time where um, I just kind of got really fixated on that. I was like, well, what actually happened? Is that true? Because my grandmother had said something like, oh, I'm sure she knew about it. Or like, it, I mean, this is all also like all through a translator, but it was like, oh, she must have known about it. Of course she would have known about it. But it, it was just, you know, I, and this is an example of just me just not understanding Korean culture. So, like, I took a great translator down to Jonju with me. I'd prearranged, like, through my aunt and uncle. Well, my aunt and uncle actually encouraged me to, you know, try and have these conversations with my grandmother and my mother. And I remember particularly with my grandmother, like, just kind of trying to ask the same question over and over again. 
and she just kind of kept deflecting it somehow. She's like a master of like. <laughs> she just she just kept answering it in these really indirect ways. I was actually kind of like very frustrated, but also kind of strangely impressed. Um, so I just just could not get a clear answer. To, you know. So yeah, I, there was just certain things I just couldn't get clear answers on, and then at the at end of the conversation, you know, we're both kind of frustrated, and she just says, "Look, I'm very sorry for what I did," and she she was actually she's very direct about that. She she said, "I'm I'm sorry for giving up for adoption." Like I, and then she was like, "Oh, and your birth mother didn't even have a good life after that," and I was like, um, "Right, so that would have like." justified everything if she had like thanks you know I don't know I thought that was um, a bit weird Mm. Um, anyway but she kind of apologized and then I said well actually I understand that you're in this position where no one else was particularly um, taking responsibility for me like my birth father was really unreliable and wasn't holding down a job apparently and things like that and then my birth mother's like remarried and her husband wouldn't accept me or her husband's family wouldn't. So it's like, you know, she was um, stuck between a rock and a hard place. So at least we had that exchange. But yeah, trying to get clear answers on the past was just a bit infuriating. Did they have any major questions for you? Look, I think it's interesting. This is one thing that I was planning to somehow incorporate into my list, but didn't. The thing is, I think they had their questions at the very beginning of our reunion. But at that stage, you know, I just hadn't processed anything. It's, it's like our, our timing didn't match up. I think they, yeah, they had some questions at the beginning, but then they kind of thought, okay, well, we've talked about the past enough now and let's just close that door mm. and move on. Um, and I feel like in some ways I missed the opportunity to really like ask all the questions that I had. It's so lovely to hear about your wonderful and rewarding relationships with your half-brothers and your favorites, aunt and uncles. Um, I'm wondering how reuniting with, with your birth family and having all of those fantastic relationships, how has that changed your relationship to Korea, mm-hmm. if at all? Um, well, they are definitely separate relationships. Like, I, you know, I get a lot out of just coming to Korea, you know, spending time in Seoul, completely separate from spending time with my birth family. Through my reunion, I've definitely um, been able to get, like, a closer insight into Korean culture and, like, Korean family life. And, you know, I I almost feel guilty towards adoptees who haven't been able to reunite um, to be able to have that insight. But I think, say, even if I hadn't reunited or even if my, you know, reunion broke down, I think I would still have a strong pull to spend time in Korea and spend time with the adoptee community in Seoul. So I feel like I haven't quite answered your question, but yeah, I just wanted to point out that they're separate. I mean, I was saying this to someone the other day that, you know, I've been back 
to Korea like so many times and I think that sometimes other people assume it's to like it's mainly to visit my birth family and the, the truth is it's kind of not like that's not really the case yeah mm. but but sure it is a factor like you know this thing with my half brothers I recently for the very first time I realized that the three of us were hanging out together and and before it had always been like oh I was just with one of them or you know I was with my brother and his wife or we were with our, our birth mother and um, I can't even fully explain it yet but there's something really nice about being together just the three of us so that's something that kind of wants that makes me want to spend more time in Korea because um, you know one of my brothers is already living in Seoul now and the other one is going to move to Seoul soon so yeah does that kind of answer the question? Um, were you think? I'm just curious. Were you thinking something a bit? Were you thinking of that question differently? Yeah, I don't know. Not necessarily. I think it was a really broad question. But I suppose the way it often gets talked about is that there's something about Korean culture that is, um, you know, your heritage, which is so so closely linked to your birth family. Like I feel like sometimes they get conflated. But I guess yeah, you're talking exactly. about how they're distinct. Exactly. I think it's they also get completed and it's important to separate those. Like I think there are a myriad of ways that we can connect with Korea and Korean culture, like regardless of whether you actually reunite. I think those are the questions that I had. Was there anything that you wanted to add or No, I'm cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> are you happy for people to if they want to email you questions. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like about my own. Yeah, I'm happy to talk to anyone about reunion anytime. I feel like we have to, yeah, connect with each other and help each other with this stuff. So if any of you have any questions for Hannah, please email us at adoptedfeels with an S at gmail.com. Or if you disagree with any of my 10 points or you just want to like be like, why are you being so pessimistic about reunion? I'm just at the beginning of my reunion. Like, thanks a lot. Yeah. Anything you want to say, <laughs> just contact us. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Adopted Feels Podcast or on Twitter at Adopted Feels. If you like what you hear, please rate us on iTunes and or support us through our Patreon.